This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Of all the things that I thought we'd be talking about today in the tennis podcast, Roger Federer saving seven match points and winning is probably not one of them. Um, how on earth did all that happen, is what I want to know. Well, he can't tell you because he can't remember them. <laughs> really? <laughs> he, he thought there were only three or four. Is that right? Yeah. It, and it definitely felt like the seven that it actually was. I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't quite know how he's managed to completely miscalculate that i just suppose it is representative of the blur he was in out there well i can relate to it from a perspective of commentating uh, i've said that before when i commentate on a match i can't necessarily remember that much about it yes to be fair i tweeted that he'd saved eight <laughs> and it was actually only seven so maybe i should have a little more sympathy it was in a time of madness yeah it really was madness and actually we we experienced it matt and i uh experienced it from what's known as the radio room in the media center as opposed to in the commentary box we weren't commentating on that match and we and it's one of those where you all the radio journalists are lined up and when federer is playing we've got behind us the french and all the French speaking journalists who follow him very closely. There's a couple of Swiss. Yeah. Aren't they? yeah and, and, Swiss. And, and some of them are commentating live on their <laughs> row. And then Five Live would say, Come to me. And I, would, I was commentating on the saved match points. So I'm going pretty ballistic whilst <laughs> they are in the row behind me. And then I hear some Aussies go, oh, No! <laughs> oh, I can't believe it! And all this stuff over the other side. So yeah. the, the room was full of hollering. Yes, there's lots of French people going, C'est une catastrophe! <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let's just go through the match uh, quickly because when he came out onto the court, he looks okay. And he played tennis Sangren, who I watched the first set from the press conference room here where they, they, they very helpfully have this big screen behind and you can kind of watch whatever match is going on at the moment while you're waiting for the press conference to start. And in my case, I was waiting for Ash Barty. And, uh, and I, th- I thought Federer was making some slightly weird choices as though he, he, he hadn't really got the conviction and the... It just wasn't all clicking, but 
Then there was a game at about 3-2 where Sangren from 30 love up suddenly looked injured to me. Um, and he, he, he missed two backhands, he hit two, he had a double fault, everything looked off and he got broken and Federer won the set 6-3. Next thing I know, I sit through the, the eight-minute Ash Barty press conference and then come out and Federer's three love down. So what happened, what, what happened to him? Well, that was also in the Ash Barty press conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that bit. Um, you two are better than me at um, accurate sequencing, but um, there was a lot in those three... Did, did the verbal abuse warning occur during the, that three-game period? No. I think That was the three-game period I think it was in the third set. Yes. In the third set, right. I mean, he just... I think, with the benefit of hindsight... It, it's now obvious that he he was struggling. Probably from this, he probably walked out there knowing there was something. And, and he said he really started feeling it in that second set. Right. Well, Which, that makes sense. But I think uh, nobody at that stage nobody had quite cottoned on. They just a, thought it was a blip of a game. He he definitely dropped off speed on his serve. But again, it just looked like a blip of a lost service game. He was serving second in the set so three love was just one break of serve there was still that kind of eerie atmosphere in the Rod Laver arena that we've discussed uh, well not even eerie actually that's the thing that we discussed a few times throughout the week it was just kind of flat yeah. everyone was sort of just waiting for the other shoe to drop um, so but at that said it was still only one break of serve there wasn't enough data I suppose to to draw any kind of meaningful conclusions about when he was at but where he was at but obviously with the benefit of hindsight at that stage, he must have been feeling what we now know is a groin. He didn't. He said it's not an injury; it's a it's a thing and a, it's a tightness. It's a tightness and a maybe a problem, but it's not an injury, right? Because I mean, and I, 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 we all thought initially that it was a back injury, like he suffered against Grigor Dimitrov at the U.S. Open last year, because all the indicators were there. Um, his service speed dropped right off. Um, he wasn't arching his back when serving. They did a split screen on, on Channel 9 comparing his service motion from the first set to, I think this was the latter stages of the second set, and he had, the, the back arch was almost completely gone. He was getting, he was trying to get all his service power just from his arm, just from pure muscle, which is quite interesting to see. Actually, his speed had only dropped by about, about 10%, which obviously... In a, at the top echelons of sport when it's all about fine margins is a lot but amazing that he was able to uh, to still produce what he was with a completely altered service motion he, was, he wasn't he was rotating on, on his shots it, again it was just all coming from arm muscle Yeah. Um, and there was a part of me as distressing as it was to see, to f- see Federer in that physical state I, there was a part of me that did quite enjoy seeing him just have to go off pure skill yeah. pure sort of arm hand skill see how far that could get him yeah. in this match because what he and I loved his co- quote on court afterwards when because he's never retired from a match has he 1500 odd matches he's never retired from one which is amazing and he was, wasn't about to now and he said afterwards something like I thought let's just let him finish me off and I thought what, what, a, what a visceral kind of image that is he called it a miracle didn't he said I believe in miracles Um, that's what this was but as as the match started to go on I mean Sangram was getting stronger more confident and just 
bulldozing him around the court, really. Um, won those two sets, 6-2, 6-2. There was the verbal obscenity in the third set, which was caught by the line judge at the back of the court, and which Federer disputed with the umpire and sort of queried with the line judge herself a couple of times. He was on very thin ground, though. His defence seemed to be not that he didn't say it, but that it can't be proven. <laughs> he also... He, he sort of said, you, you, you're not Swiss, how can you possibly know? But, I mean, I think few uh, people picked up an F word. An English word, yeah. He, he admitted he said something in English and then something in his native. He, he also tried to slightly get out of it based on previous good behaviour. Yes. <laughs> he said, I'm not, I'm not usually that guy. He was just, <laughs> he was just irritated, wasn't he? It was... It was <laughs> I mean, it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it a lot, yeah. It was that period of the match, though, where you started to realise, hang the, on a minute, this something is, it's is all wrong. seriously wrong here because he threw his opening service game away in that set, three forehand errors and a double fault, then got to love 40 and blew all of those chances then got the warning, then argued about the warning and then went off for an off-court medical timeout, all in the space of three games. And suddenly you realise, hang on a minute, this is not just a little blip. This is a serious crisis that Federer is in here. Yeah. Um, I, incidentally, I, I very much enjoyed the way the umpire, uh, Mariana Veljevic, mm. ha- handled the whole thing. Oh, she's, she's, she is she's magnificent. the best umpire yeah. there is, both in terms of her line calling and her handling of situations. She's the best. Very cool. Under, under what is a microscope when Federer's coming towards you and trying to make his case about something she just turned a mic down and just looked him in the eye and just said said it how it is and uh and props to her for that um so what happened for this to turn around because all the way through the fourth set it was kind of it was kind of nip and tuck wasn't it really in the in the fourth set it wasn't like Sangram was running away with it but he had these seven match points now i my recollection i felt Yes, Federer hung on, but I also felt that Sangram blew it. He made some unforced errors that he wasn't making earlier on. And look, I, I accept that the, the nerves are incredibly heightened. It's not surprising, but I also think he will have nightmares tonight I, about I, it. Th- well, he'll have nightmares, maybe not tonight, because he's at this very moment um, out having a very good time. Downing shots per match point lost, yes. he says. Two. Two, 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 two per shots. Match point lots much points lost yeah that's going to be a heavy night he did I thought he did start it's still hampered obviously but he did start moving a bit better in that fourth set Federer presumably whatever painkillers he was given and I I want to know what they are (laughs) they sound great stock up he couldn't remember any of the match afterwards (laughs) they must have been great um Presumably they kicked in, right? Generally, there's about a half hour lag time yeah. for that kind of thing. So plus he, adrenaline started to yeah, kick in. I absolutely. Think. When, he he, clearly, when he was close enough, and he because when he saved those, because I think, well, I, like I said, I can't really remember all the match points. Um, the, the the shot I re- really remember was on the either the set point or the one that set him up with set point when he was stretched out wide to his left and he just did that little backhand flick. Mm. Um, and then was it was it a lob after that? I can't exactly remember, but I just remember him coming up with this just 
Houdini act of a backhand flick cross court at the feet of of Sangren, and and it was that was one of those take your breath away moments from Federer, really. For somebody that was playing quite high risk tennis, really, I mean, generally speaking, Federer's brand of, of tennis is relatively high risk to to lots of other players, but with the physical impediment, it was that bit more high risk he wasn't wanting to get involved in long side to side rallies for him to have not made an error on those seven match points is I mean scarcely believable well he yeah. said it himself it was a miracle and he did he did play there was I think he won one 28 stroke rally mm. at one stage which suggested that he was because I mean there was definitely a period where he was just doing the whole erratic bailing out of rallies thing when he was just trying to slash winners that weren't really on and he wasn't in position for and then suddenly he just battened down and tried to get some timing it seemed to me and won won that extended rally I was just amazed by how calm he stayed I think he said I think the way he said it in that on-court interview he was he was waiting for Sanguine to finish him off I think he was he was kind of at peace with his situation I think he he knew he wasn't physically capable to do what he wanted to do but he made the best of what he had and I think what you were saying Catherine about how you kind of enjoyed seeing him use his racket skills and his hand skills I kind of feel really differently about that I just I found the whole match really distressing to see Federer's body failing him like that when, when usually it just allows him to play the most elegant tennis and you just see him not in position to hit the right ball shanking the ball and I for found the that, second slam in a row and I, fi- I find that such a tough watch but then equally I'm so impressed by just how calm he's able to stay and how he is able to fight we don't it's, it, it's wrong that Federer isn't ever really portrayed as that much of a fighter compared to Djokovic and Nadal because he quiet, absolutely is. Quiet resilience, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It's a different type, but it's, it's, it's as important in his makeup as it is any other great champion's makeup. He just has a different way of showing it. And I think I enjoyed the way he showed it today by staying so calm I think there are two different personality types aren't there I think there are those that feel liberated by having control taken away from them as as is the case in an injury type situation I, I, I get the impression from what he said that he just felt like this is out of my control my, my body has, has done this whatever I'm, I'm, it's in the hands of the gods now um, and there are some people that that's the most anxiety-inducing situation imaginable. It's it's the difference that the, I, I find that plain situations yes. delineate those two different personality types. Some people are at utter calm on a plane. And they you know, when you're sat there having a panic attack, they say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. So we, we've discussed I, this, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm more at peace with it because what can I do about it? Mm. Um, yeah, same. But uh, I, I know that you, you've... you've felt differently um control freakery yeah yeah. (laughs) um but in the in the once he'd saved them and he'd won that set in the fifth there was never really any doubt i think they went to two games all but suddenly the federal feet started to move the little tip tap toes were going and and you started to he he suddenly got interested in it again Mm. as a a match he could win as opposed to a match he just wanted to get through it all ended with the finger wag didn't it yeah. 
yes. a very proud one, not not a not a defiant one, just a sort of triumphant mm. moment of just self um, achievement of, of of overcoming ridiculous odds. And I think if we again compare it to the U.S. Open, where okay, it sounds like it's a different injury. There it was his back, which he said needed cracking, and here it's here it's the groin. One of the things he said in that press conference after the US Open was that he was disappointed he didn't get through against Dimitrov because he felt like in a couple of days it might be fine, that yeah. injury. And he's talking in similar terms in his press conference now, saying, you know, he's got 48 hours until his semi final. He said, oh, it's not like I have to play tomorrow. Exactly. Night, night match, actually, under the lights as well, might help him and look i am really grasping at straws i feel like here but he also said maybe i'll just go into it feeling free mm. because um, i'm not supposed to win am i and he talked about adrenaline you know yeah. potentially getting him through there's a few straws yeah i do always think about andy murray in in uh, his press conference here last year when he finally admitted you know look, i've been lying about the state of my hip for for two years or whatever it was a year and a half because I'm obviously not going to give my that advantage to my opponents, am I? That would be madness. Mm. Um, and it would be madness for Federer to say, obviously, I'm not going to be able to, to make any kind of threat to, to Djokovic. But, he, but there are straws, <laughs> as listed. <laughs> I was just thinking that a match like this for Federer, as, as the Millman one the other day even though he's ended up in that situation because he's not playing very well ends up being a legacy enhancer really you know the way we the way people still talk about Jimmy Connors in his run to the US Open in at 39 who knows it could end up being and people remember the epic matches he had in that run and people will remember these matches that Federer has had at 38 not feeling his best and getting through them pretty proud Oh yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. I think he was uh, after the Millman match, and, mm. and even more so today, because he's not had a great five-set record recently. Mm. And, At know. the end of that match, my BBC Radio bosses, we were live on air, and, and I was supposed to do the next match, and they asked me to come downstairs from where you and I were sitting, Matt, and race down to the commentary box, which is on the court, basically courtside. Um, what happens is when a match is finishing and players are coming off, there's what they call lockdown and you're not allowed to move about. You have to wait until the player and their entourage comes through and goes back to the locker room so that you're not in the way and you're etc. You know, we're, we're not important relatively speaking, are we? But whilst I was being held there in the, in the player area, Roger Federer's family were all there waiting for him to come through the Walker Champions off the off the court um, to, to greet him and his, his kids were all there and and his little son I don't know which one it was there's Leo and Lenny isn't there um, Federer comes walking out and one of his sons just jumped into his arms you've never seen a kid just throw themselves at their dad quite like it it was, it was a beautiful moment really hopefully that's not going to worsen his injury situation <laughs> <laughs> he um he complained at one point federer about the noise coming from those commentary booths was that you no no david was with me uh, and also we are his alibi we are thankfully <laughs> yes. behind a a soundproof glass well that, they all are it would have been from the side uh where you know where the tv third 
person sits mm. with the microphone in the open air. That's what was being referred to. Oh, the courtside commentator yes. role. Somebody was maybe doing it a bit louder than they should have been. Right. Um, and got ticked off. Um, so that's what that was. That would have been Sam Groth. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, and there's an ESPN one usually yeah. as well. Yeah, I'm not there? sure Might who not have it been was. Sam. So I, I don't know. Um, but the when we're talking about straws being clutched out, the reason that, that we that I talk in those terms is because I've just seen the first two sets of Novak Djokovic against Milos Raonic and when you think how well Raonic has played this tournament how easily he dispatched Stefanos Tsitsipas and then to see what Djokovic just did to him he made his serve look like nothing he made him look like a lumbering inflexible um, ordinary tennis player Djokovic did tonight Uh, and the third set Djokovic had a problem with his contact lens which seemed to really freak him out and this, I think this is what happened when he gets a twinge or when the, the, the contact lenses go and he needs to sort it out he panics, he just starts panicking he's and, hypersensitive yeah, to that and, sort and, of thing. and he kind of just signals to everybody in the stadium that there's a problem which is total opposite to, to Federer and Nadal who, who just don't let you know really they're trying to cover it up um, I mean everybody's different but it's I just felt that the form he is in, I mean, recency and all the rest of it, but he's playing just as well as he did in that final against Nadal last year. Plus, as Goran Ivanisevic was telling us last night, he's beefed up that serve. I mean, in the first set, they both served five games each. Raonic served 55 points, Djokovic 25 for those 10 games. Ridiculous. Just amazing. So I, I... I find it hard to believe that Federer can really make it close. Um, but then there's always just that little bit in the back of the mind when you think, it's Roger Federer, he's a genius. What if he has one of those days? Yeah, think how, think of the way he turned it on against Djokovic in their last match at the O2. Federer went into that match with not much form. He'd, he'd lost to team in the group stage and didn't look, didn't look great in that tournament really and then turned it on against Djokovic but I just can't see that happening that's a straw that's it's a straw but honestly I would at this stage I would be surprised if Federer makes that four sets given Mm. given the form that they're both in and Mm. the history that they have in Grand Slam matches against each other there's actually an instability about Federer's game at the moment take away the injury oh yeah you know he's just not timing the ball is he I mean the one the one caveat I would say is he was timing the ball absolutely immaculately in his second match against Krajanovic mm. look I know it's Filip Krajanovic it's not Novak Djokovic but the, the the drop-off in his game since then has been pretty dramatic he was timing the ball so well hitting winners just at will in that match that's why I think it's better that it's night even though mm. there's concerns about the slowness of it it's going to be a hot one isn't it actually mm. Thursday yeah so well we'll see I hope it's a good match you know because it's, gr- it's a great thing to look forward to as an event um, yeah their 50th meeting wow that's pretty cool 26-23 it is to uh, Novak Djokovic so that's to come in a couple of days time uh, other matches we had today, I mentioned Ash Barty, and um, you may remember last night we were talking about how she was scheduled in the afternoon, and 
we all thought that she should be scheduled in the night match because there'd be so many more eyeballs on it. A lot of people at work, a lot of kids are at school. Um, and we've been trying to get to the bottom of it a little bit. Um, so I went into the press conference and asked, asked her whether she'd requested to play in the, in the daytime because of the conditions being different to what she played Kvitova in last year when they played in the night session. And she didn't ask, answer explicitly, but she said... I think all players have a preference and let it be known what they want and I'm always happy to play with the sun on my back. Um, so it's quite clear she, she and the team had made a request to play in the afternoon. Now other players would have done as well but she is the world number one, she is the big star in Australia and maybe that would have carried some weight. But I'm still confused about the way the the structure of the order of play for Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of the second week seems to be different from what, from what it was last year. I think, and I, this is, I don't know this, I'm, I'm speculating here, but I think they have made a deliberate decision to change the structure of the day for the quarter-final stage, um, which is today and tomorrow, where this year the, the schedule is three matches in the day, two of them women's, one men's, and then one men's match at night. Whereas last year, it was two and two. And the reason I say that is because if they had still had their schedule from last year, two and two, then if Barty had put her request in to play during the day and they had wanted to grant that, then why wouldn't we have had Barty in the day and a men's match and then the other women's match and a men's match tonight? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't imagine, with all due respect, Sophia Kennan and Ons Jabeur's requests for where they play to hold the same weight as Ash Barty. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I'd like to get that confirmed. We'll see if we can make some further inquiries. I mean, on one level, I like the fact that night sessions are not going into the early hours um, and having two a men's match and a women's match in the evening session is, go- is likely to make that happen. Um, but on the other hand, you effectively have an entire week of tennis where the women don't get a night session at all. Women's tennis just isn't on. And the night session is the prime slot. Yeah. It's especially the first night session match. It's, it's the prime time slot. And frankly, it just looks like the women have been completely shunned today it felt like the two women's matches let's get them out of the way and then let's get yeah. on with the men in the two day two two day sessions i mean they're in the two least prime slots of the day session mm. i just don't feel like playing a quarter final at 11 a.m on a weekday is is a good look i mean the atmosphere was really flat yeah um today i mean it was it wasn't great for barty kvitova really i mean there, there are yeah i mean we've talked about the sort of slight um, bizarreness of atmospheres sometimes on Rod Laver Arena take, can take a sort of artificial spark to ignite it. Not artificial, but can take the player to ignite it and perhaps that doesn't come naturally to Barty so much. But it, it, it feels wrong. Feel, it, 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 yeah, it doesn't feel right. No. <laughs> and it's, and it's, not, it's not the point, but... I don't think Barty is actually that affected by it or bothered by it. I mean, that's absolutely not the point. 
Well, it's like a, I said, I think she wanted to be in the afternoon. Yeah, and I, and I don't think she... I think she wanted to be in the afternoon, both in terms of conditions, but also I think she's quite happy without a load of fuss being made of her and in, in, you know, having all the hype in the same way that that Kyrgios yeah. Nadal match has. I think she absolutely deserves all that, but I think she's quite happy not to have it. Just before we get on to the other matches, the French Open today has announced that they are going to change things for their lineup, aren't they? They're going to have all the quarterfinals on Philippe Chatrier? Yeah, all the quarterfinals onwards. So quarterfinals, semifinals and finals on Philippe Chatrier. Um, whereas before they've split them, Philippe Chatrier and yeah. Suzanne Longlon. What it means is there's, there's now two sessions for the quarterfinals. So there's a, there's a um, it'd, be, it'd be over two days, so be a session with a men's and a women's quarterfinal and then a later session with a men's and women's and then the same replicated the next day. Um, mm. So it could mean some late finishes there. They're, they're strategically not calling it a night session. No, they're not. Starts at 5pm. Oh, right. Um, I mean, they're <laughs> going to have some seriously late finishes, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's good in that they all get centre court billing, but also we know that some of those matches probably will be very sparsely attended. At certain points, and mm-hmm. then it could be the it could be an early hours job. And clay, you you might think often matches go on longer, and there's no final set tie break at the oh, French no. Open. <laughs> I'm <laughs> already your, I'm already having visions. Get yourself a ten point tie break at six all in the fifth set. Yeah, it's come on, Roman Garros. Yeah, you need to do that. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, uh, other matches. Anyway, first of all, Ash Barty was, was very good today because she, she had to fend off bullets from Petra Kvitova today for a set, didn't she? And she won it 8-6, but it was a rear gun action. What, what was that line that Jim Courier said early on in the match? Oh, yeah, it was a great line. He said, um, Petra Kvitova's returns are travelling at light speed. So if you're Ash Barty, you're having to hit your second serve and then brace for impact. Yeah, it, and it, it was just like that. She was just having to set herself, fend these things off, and just try to stay with her in that first set. But eventually, and I think because of the conditions being relatively slow in this in this court and the balls, Kvitova's big shots started to have less impact. And the moment she'd lost that set, that first set... It was game over. She didn't have anything else to throw at her, did she? She'd thrown it all in the the first set and just wasn't quite enough. It was great. Really was great, that first set. Um, Real nip and tuck, problem-solving, lovely contrast of styles, just all the things you want. You saw how Barty had grown over 12 months in that Absolutely. And the way she's, as Matt points out, turned that head-to-head around is such a marker of what a changed player she is in such such a relatively short period of time. I mean, she owns that head-to-head now. And Kvitova used to be a real problem opponent for her. Yes. Plus, you know, you see it as well in the press conference room because she takes the mick out of us. She, she gives us a hard time in a nice, jovial way. But she owns that room. You know, we, we might try to... Uh, push some buttons, interrogate her, ask the right questions, but she, she takes over. And it's really interesting to watch a young woman of 22 years of age suddenly just not, I'm not being so, so shy about it all. And, and, and she, she doesn't embrace it as such. She's not, she's not interested in it. She, I mean, at the end of it, she says, look, no offense, but I'd rather be somewhere else right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd rather be with my mates. Um, rather than talking to you lot all day but, but we know what she means you know it's, part, it's just part of the job she knows it's part of her job and she does a good job of it she, she says I, I, feel, I, I don't know what to say to you all after time I feel I'm just going around the houses but she actually gives you some good quotes good answers and then gets out and starts preparing for what she actually wants to do which is enjoy playing tennis on big stages she's an utter professional isn't she yeah mm. and yet it, it, it just was a as you said, a perfect demonstration of how she's improved. She lost to Kvitova last year in straight sets in the same stage. She beats her in straight sets this year. And I just thought, normally when Kvitova plays well, which she was, it feels like there's nothing an opponent Mm. can do. Yeah. And yet, Barty has tools in her game. She blunted her. To Mm. be able to throw her off. There's not many players who can do that. There was a rally that not only did she win, but I felt she broke Kvitova's heart. She, She... ran out wide to her right and did one of those squash shot 
off, literally off the ground, you feel like the ball is about to double bounce and she just about gets it and flicks it. And then Kvitova volleyed. Barty lobbed, smash. Barty lobbed, smash. Barty lobbed again, clean winner. Three lobs in the, in the same point. And I just thought at that point Kvitova was, was broken, really, mm. as, a, as a force in the match. And um, I think Barty remembered that point as a crucial one she was asked about it in her press conference and she said yes there's I think it was at 3-2 in the first set tie break and she said yeah mentally there's such a big difference changing ends at 3 all rather than 4-2 and I just felt like I'd got her then Um, and it it really I don't know if this sounds like a weird thing to say given that she's the world number one but it really struck me today for for the first time how on this is for her to win this yeah. Oh, she's expected to. Yeah. I, I would you make her the favourite right now? Muguruza, Halop? Yes, I would, yes. Yeah, I would. But I, maybe it was today that I formed that in my mind because, I don't know, maybe I've just been so busy with caught up in Serena and Osaka going out and Muguruza's form and Halep looking good. But then I, just today I thought, hang on a minute, Ash she, Barty's the world number one. She won the WTA finals beating all the best players in the world. Plus she's playing like that. She's yeah. playing you know, like it's, that. It's not like she's just got that number next to her. She's playing like that player. Mm. Um, and she's going to play against Sophia Kennan next, who defeated Onstjaber 6-4, 6-4 today. I saw that match on TV before I came in. It was actually a much closer match than it sounds, and Jabir had her chances. I wonder whether, in a way, it might help Kennan to have played Jabir before she plays Barty. Interesting. Um, just style-wise, because they're not that dissimilar. Um, and Kennan, she's a little put pit bull. She just will not let you have it. No matter... I mean... Jabir a lot of the time was the better player in rallies and yet Kenin keeps going and keeps asking questions and makes you hit another another shot makes you go for a line you probably shouldn't be going for and she eventually extracts errors it's no nonsense tennis isn't never it? lets herself down mm. and her post-match interview on court I mean it was slightly uncomfortable because she's so matter of fact yes she doesn't turn on any sort <laughs> yeah. of charm machine at all and that, that's absolutely fine you be who you are but it was quite comical to watch her just go through the motions and, and get the job done and be efficient and right off we go to the next thing yeah she's not trying to ingratiate herself with anyone with her tennis with her personality she is what she is and I, I love it I really love her I think she's um, a badass she is she, she really is she's a pocket in a nice way badass yeah she's cool weirdest service action in town what what is the weird thing about it is it the one she she doesn't look well she must what does she do she must be a problem for coaches everywhere who you know the first rule of of rudimentary tennis coaching is keep your eye on the ball (laughs) right I mean that is rule one and she the first shot of any rally when she's serving she doesn't keep her eye on the ball she tosses the ball into the air and her her eyes remain down until the last minute when she looks up her eyes aren't in sequence with her arm so it it, it's so weird do you think we're going to get an epic between her and barty because i think that there's a real chance of that yeah i think it'll it'll be three three, yeah i think i think look look at kenin i think where are the weaknesses this could be the tense one for Mm, australia this is the one that could make people's nerves fray agreed (laughs) yeah brilliant (laughs) <laughs> and I think they've had some close matches in the past as well. 
She's just not going to give two hoots about the fact that it's Australia and it's Ash Barty and everyone's cheering against her. In fact, I think that might help Kenneth. Yeah. And, and I think I just think back to the way that Asaka against Goff seemed bothered by the fact that she was playing a 15-year-old and really you know, was aware of that situation, whereas Kenin just didn't. Just treated it like any other match, and I think she'll be able to do the same against against Barty. They played in Wuhan last year, and it was 6-3-7-5 to Barty. They played in uh, Canada um, also last summer. 7-6 Barty and then 6-3-6-4 to Kenin. So she won in three <laughs> sets. Um, they played at the French Open, and it was six love in the third to Barty, but it you know it went the distance you know so they played some matches they also played the year before uh, in Charleston and uh, and Barty got the win there so the the ingredients are there for a really tasty match um, so looking forward to that before we look ahead to tomorrow there was a bit of a diplomatic international incident today uh, <laughs> over on the Margaret Court Arena um, because Martin and Avratilova staged a protest um, on that court as it's been well documented and we talked about yesterday Margaret Court was honoured in a in a short um, ceremony the night before for the 50th anniversary of her was it the career of, of the Grand Slam? The calendar year slam. The calendar yeah. year slam, yeah. Um, and uh, as you'll have known if you've been following the news or following our podcast over the years, Margaret Court's views that she's so openly stated about so many subjects and, and upset so many people um, have led to people thinking that her name shouldn't be on an arena at the Australian Open, which is the second major arena here. Martin and Avratilova has been one of the most outspoken people about that fact and has, has long campaigned or long stated that she thinks Margaret Court should not be honoured uh, in any way given given the type of views she has and has stated publicly uh, against people um, from, from LGBT groups and... Navratilova wrote an open letter today on the Tennis Channel website stating that fact and stating that she believes that the Margaret Court Arena should be renamed the Yvonne Goulagong Arena. Today she played a Legends doubles match on that court um, and at the end of it unveiled a, a sign that she'd made um, which said the Yvonne Goulagong Arena. And she went up the steps of the chair umpire's chair to, to make a speech. And she had John McEnroe with her, who has also been very outspoken on Eurosport recently, as, uh, as an ally in this, uh, in this protest. And from what we understand from the, from the reporting that I've read, um, at shortly after she started that speech, uh, the television feed was cut. So... It didn't go very far. There weren't that many people in the arena. Um, I know Martina did one or two interviews afterwards, including with my colleague BBC Radio 5 Live's Russell Fuller. Um, and then there was a statement put out by Tennis Australia saying that uh, protocol had been not followed um, by two high-profile guests, are the words that they used, and they said that they were working through the issue with them exactly what that involves and will lead to i don't know but uh 
quite a standoff, it feels like, between the two. And Simon reported in his Telegraph piece about it that Tennis Australia had considered revoking Martina Navratilova and John McEnroe's accreditations, but it elected not to, which again kind of feels like a fudge. I mean, if they've violated this sacred protocol, then does it matter who they are? Mm. Take their accreditations. I mean, for me... I, that, that's not the route I'd go down. I'm just going the the logical conclusion of their position, um, and I, I I still feel like they're trying to have their cake and eat it with their position. And I don't know. It was a peaceful protest, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Uh, were they? I'd like to know the wording of the of the exact protocol that they're referencing they say we have protocols here well what is that that protocol what what were they in violation of because it seemed like a very peaceful unthreatening protest to to me and certainly whether you tolerate it or not to to cut the feed of it um so that there's there's no there's no record of it anywhere it's very it's very difficult for people to to accurately report on (laughs) because um Literally, there's no record of, of, of what she said. Um, that doesn't feel right. That feels um, authoritarian to the extreme. Mm. Yeah. I thought the same. Um, so we'll see what happens next uh, with, that, uh, with that story and, uh, and let you know if any more develops, developments come from it. So, order of play for tomorrow. Let's have a look at what we've got. It uh, will all start at 11 o'clock. I know this because I'm going to be here at 11 o'clock reporting on BBC Radio 5 Live on the uh, day session. And it's all going to start with Annette Contivate against Simona Halep. Um, it's, it's, it's an early start, isn't it? 11 o'clock again for the quarterfinal. Um, players have to be up really early. I mean, uh, nothing hugely new for them, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how Contivate handles this because it's her first quarterfinal it's going to be a pretty warm day, I think. It's it's two days' time when it's going to go absolutely ridiculous and it's going to be 41 degrees in two days' time. Um, but tomorrow will be pretty warm. Conservate against Halep. What Halep. do we think? Oh. Halep. Halep in two for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, that's the most... Why would I say this out loud? The most <laughs> nailed-on result tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Of the four singles matches. I would have thought that would probably be the case uh, as well. Um, Halep is the only player in the women's draw not to have dropped a set yet. and She's just got better and better, yeah. hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she really has. I would say After she's... a shaky first set against Jennifer Brady, she's looked a lot better in the fourth round. To my mind, she has been the Djokovic of the women's draw in the way she has played imperious stuff and the surface just appears to be perfect for her you can't get the ball past her so mm. how'd you beat her uh Halep beat uh Contivate in their most recent match it was two and a half years ago in uh in Rome uh 6-2 6-4 they played in Miami it was 6-3 6 love so um Halep has I mean it's a while ago you know uh, obviously Contivate is a better player now but uh still it's, uh, she, she goes in as a, a heavy favourite. Um, we've got Garbini Muguruza against Anastasia Pavlichenkova. So this is Muguruza basically playing against her former coach as well as uh, Pavlichenkova. 
And as much as she denies it, I, I do think there will be ghosts there. I think that will be a, an element in her mind. But I, I think Muguruth will come through that. But then, as I say that, I hear seventy-one winners. <laughs> seventy-one winners. But can she? Can Pavlochenkova reproduce that on the Rod Laver Arena against Muguruza? When it, when it, you know, she's never been to a semi-final of a Grand Slam. It's a no, big it's, ask it's to play. No, I think it's a lot more likely that Muguruza will will produce. Um, and I think, as, as incredible as Pavlochenkova was in that match against Kerber with those 71 winners I think Kerber gave her a ball that she was able to do that off she was used to it as well they played each other 14 times hadn't they yeah exactly whereas I think Muguruza might be a bit more dominant and a bit more aggressive and slightly take her time away and if Mm. Muguruza is playing as well as she has been in her last two matches where she's beaten Svitolina and Burton's I think she can come through that. Yeah. Most recent match was in Birmingham on grass uh, a couple of years ago. Magaruta 6-1-6-2. Although they did play in Stuttgart and it was a retirement and Pavlichenko won the first set of that before Magaruta retired. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the, she's clearly playing the tennis of her life pretty much, Pavlichenko. Let's see if she can... 71 winners. <laughs> That's so that, many. That is a lot, isn't it? That's like a so week's many. worth. <laughs> a month. <laughs> so, I mean, Caroline Wozniacki can play a season without getting 71 minutes. Sorry, Caroline. Uh, Stan Wawrinka against Alexander Zverev. That is an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, it's another one where we, we looked up the head-to-head and there are no recent meetings to, to go on. I think the, the most recent one was 2017, which... I, I don't I don't draw too much from that at all so um, I don't know Yeah, I really don't know I about that no one I have no idea well newsletter is where you need to go folks to find out what we eventually went for if anybody had the guts to go for the Vavrinka's Verev match sign up to the newsletter in your show notes if you haven't already uh, that's where our daily prediction one apiece will be most of mine have been awful um, what did I go for today oh Barty's today Yes. And railroaded me into g- going for Kvitova. That's a shame. <laughs> so I've closed the gap. Awesome. Yes. Uh, okay, well, I don't know. Vavrinka Zverev kind of think Zverev might win. Yeah. So it's, I think it he might too. Isn't just... it amazing to think that Zverev is doing this? He's the, he's the only bloke left who's not dropped a set, isn't he? Yeah. And if, which is remarkable. And if he wins, it would be his first Grand Slam semi-final. It would, it would be a huge deal. Wow. I just think what we were saying the other day about how much Mavrinka enjoyed beating Medvedev, apparently, I, I saw someone quoting that his record against pretty much everyone in slams outside of, um, outside of the big four since 2013 when he really developed is seriously strong he, he seems to want to make that statement against whoever it is that he's you know a, a top player who is contending for these things and once he gets into the second week of slams I just think he becomes more dangerous mm. so if I had to pick I'm going Wawrinka but I think it I think it, I think it could be five sets I can't wait I'm really pumped. Okay. Uh, and then it's Nadal against team in the evening session. We've all gone for team. 
which seems... Well, pre-tournament. What are we doing? Oh, no. The more I think about that, it's Nadal. (laughs) But... (laughs) What are we doing? I have gone team in the newsletter, and that's because I looked up the odds, because we've, we've now... We've sorted out our daily predictions so that they're they're weighted according to the risk that you take. Yes. Um, but no gambling on the tennis podcast. We don't do gambling. No, no. We just use that as an indicator yes. of, unfortunately, no money is changing hands. No. If it were, then I'd be quids in. <laughs> um, Pride is all she wants. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be cashing out now because it can only go downhill. Yeah, the odds for Nadal team are so heavily stacked in Nadal's favour. I don't are think they? they're... I, they didn't seem right to me. There was... It was... I don't really understand odds, <laughs> so I'm not going <laughs> to go numbers. But Matt and I both looked at one another and said, team's got more chance than that. So I thought it was a relatively a good risk-reward ratio. So soon we have to start doing sets, don't we? Mm. Oh, that's going to be good. Right. If you say so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've been... I've set up 2020 as my year to go big on team. So I think he's going to do something this year. So Oh, I've that's gotta, so David Law-esque. So I know. So I'm, so I'm backing him now, and I'm saying, I'm saying okay. he's going to beat Nadal. Okay. What do you em- think, David? Emphatic. Emphatic. Um, well, no, I mean, definitely not emphatic. You see the expression on his face. <laughs> Got away with that one. <laughs> he went with it. I, I don't know. I, I need to have a little bit of a think before I put my newsletter prediction in. That's where you'll get it, folks. Sign up to your newsletter. Um, and we will bring you another tennis podcast tomorrow. First of all, though, shout-outs, Matt. People that have backed the tennis podcast Kickstarter. Yes. To £100 uh, each. Thank you very much to Sarah Pheasant. Thank you, Sarah. To Manjeet Bala. Thank you, Manjeet. And to Catherine Sauter. Good on you, Catherine. Oh, they all sound great, don't they? Catherine with a K or a C? With a K. And a Y. See, all different spellings. Distant relation. (laughs) Thank you all. Um, Yeah, there are loads of people on Reddit if you want to sign up to the old tennis podcast community that's going on that's really good have a look at the show notes um leave us a review on itunes loads of people have le- leaving us reviews that's really nice isn't it most of them have said nice things as well. <laughs> um, so newsletter i've told you about that uh, tell your friends about the tennis podcast if you come across anybody who seems to like tennis railroad them into signing up for this all right immediately and uh, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow after the play has finished Loads of good matches tomorrow. Hope you enjoy them. See you then. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.